This is Cole Zerman, and I'm a sales agronomist for CHS Ag Services in Warren, Minnesota. We're pleased to bring you this update from the Red River Farm Network. CHS Ag Services, providing solutions for your success. Friday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. I'm Randy Conan. We'll also hear reports from Whitney Pittman and Sierra Doctor. Well, a Min Ag Expo wrapped up yesterday. Red River Farm Network farm broadcaster Whitney Pittman was in Mankato. The Minnesota soybean growers gathered for their annual meeting in Mankato at the Minag Expo. We're talking with American Soybean Association Director and Traverse County Farmer Jamie Byer. The resolutions, that process is, has concluded here. What were some of the big highlights from that discussion? We did a lot of cleanup this year, and so I'd say the, the controversial resolutions were limited. Um, we have a board director who's concerned about damage to his soybeans from wildlife, specifically deer, and so opening up some options, hopefully, for for um, those types of growers that are seeing that kind of damage. Uh, the one that took the longest was one that, that I brought up um, in opposition of ESG systems, so the Environmental Social Governance Bench mark system and that generated a great deal of conversation and the interesting part is going to be you know we get the resolutions from the counties we consider them at the state level to form our state uh, political agenda for that legislative session and then some we submit to the national level and and that's also where I serve with the American Soybean Association and so that resolution has the potential to bring a great deal of debate at that level so it's it's good practice for running these things through to to kind of the big dogs at the federal level. Bayer was also named the Minnesota Soybean Growers Association Advocate of the Year. Beltrami, Minnesota farmer and Ag Innovation Campus Chair Mike Scow was recognized with the Presidential Award and Kitson County was awarded Minnesota Soybean Growers Association County of the Year. Reporting agriculture's business on the Red River Farm Network, I'm Whitney Pittman. The American Farm Bureau Federation has filed a legal challenge to EPA's new Waters of the United States rule, joining 17 other agriculture, housing, and infrastructure organizations in that lawsuit. Farm Bureau President Zippy Duval says the new WOTUS rule gives the federal government sweeping authority over private lands, adding the new rule and adding that the new rule is vague and creates uncertainty for farmers. North Dakota Farmers Union Government Relations Director Matt Perdue testified yesterday's, at yesterday's North Dakota Senate Workforce Development Committee hearing. Perdue says agriculture makes a, a good chunk of the workforce in North Dakota. One of the unique things when we talk about agriculture, the agricultural sector, is that it provides a very high um, percentage of sole proprietor employment in the state. Um, so you can see on this chart here, the lighter shade is sole proprietors, the darker shade is wage and salary. When we look at direct jobs created by agriculture, um, sole proprietors make up the lion's share of that, and agriculture represents one-third of all self-employment or all sole proprietor employment here in the state of North Dakota. Purdue encouraged committee members uh, to keep agriculture in mind when developing policy for workforce incentives. The reason I think this is important is a lot of times when we talk about business incentives, business development incentives, workforce uh, incentives, when we talk about you know, childcare solutions, it's important that we remember um, that agriculture, there's a huge share of agriculture that are sole proprietors that are not working for, um, uh, working for a, a major employer in the community. And so we need to make sure that they're not left behind when we come up with 
uh, those solutions. I also wanted to highlight the fact that many of our state's agricultural producers um, have other employment. Minnesota Farmers Union is hosting a listening session with Minnesota House and Senate Ag Committee chairs in uh, Piers today. Government Relations Director Stu Laurie has the details. Partnering with one of our members in, in Piers, Minnesota, um, we're hosting a listening session with uh, Chair Vang and Chair Putnam in the Senate uh, um, uh, at Smoothie Sunflower Oil at 2 p.m. on Friday, January 20th. And really, we're, we're excited for them to come and meet folks and in particular listen to a broad array of, of, of farmers about uh, what they want to see from the Ag Committee this session, the challenges they're facing, what opportunities they see, new markets they want to develop, and how the state can be a good partner for them. And Laurie says the goal of the listening session is to help the committee chairs better serve Minnesota's farmers. We're early in session. We hope that this is a constructive um, uh, forum for them to get ideas and bring back to St. Paul and, and do the best work that they can for Minnesota's farm families. This is the Red River Farm Network. Friday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. Our CAF USA says the USDA's Animal and Plant Health in the Inspection Service proposed rule uh, to require adult cattle shipped across state lines uh, to bear a radio frequency identification ear tag is for the benefit of multinational beef packers. Our CAF USA CEO Bill Bullard says it's clear the proposed RFID tag mandate is a gift to multinational beef packers by granting them economic benefits, and uh, that won't or don't have to they don't have to pay for with the at the expense of uh, producers. Also, is a windfall for ear tag manufacturers who would be guaranteed millions of dollars in ear tag sales. USDA's announced a new rule on electronic identification for cattle traceability. U.S. Cattlemen's Association President Justin Tupper says the USDA's ruling is an example of government overreach. Well, I think it's a, a proposed rule that we knew was coming, and a lot of them uh, uh, is some of the same stuff that they proposed before and tried to do it without rulemaking. You know, they're wanting to make sure that all animals that are intact or have an identification. And the U.S. Cattlemen's definitely uh, believes in disease traceability, but we definitely don't believe in uh, mandatory uh, uh, having to tag each and every one of these animals. So we think there's uh, better, just sounder ways to get to that end than uh, making it mandatory. Tupper opposes the added cost to cattle producers at a time when feed and other inputs are already high. Well, I think at some point in time it would affect all producers. Um, you know, they're all going to have some that, uh, uh, whether it be with the interstate movement or, or selling or, or whatever, it's it's going to make an effect and, uh, and going to have a cost to the industry to make sure everything's ID. The 55th annual North Dakota Dairy Convention took place this week. Red River Farm Network farm broadcaster Sierra Doctor has that story. North Dakota Livestock Alliance Executive Director Amber Bayshons was a recipient of the Merit Award at the North Dakota Dairy Convention this week. Bayshons says North Dakota's dairy industry is slowly growing smaller. Well, you know, I know there's a lot of a lot of conversations out there about the current condition of North Dakota's dairy industry. Uh, there are 38 dairy farms left in the state of North Dakota. There are several herds that have expanded, have added cows over the recent years. So there are folks that are passionate about dairy. They want to stay in dairy. If someone, you know, is 65 years old, doesn't want to milk cows anymore, they, like anybody else in any career, should be allowed to retire, right? But the thing in North Dakota is that we need to 
figure out a way to protect the dairy farmers that are currently producing to where they are forced out of the industry, you know, whether that be because of trucking issues or any of the other factors, but then also to encourage new producers. Bayshans is optimistic about the push from legislative leaders to expand animal agriculture, and that could benefit the state's dairy industry. Being with the North Dakota Livestock Alliance, we support all species of animal ag. But you know, as my, you know, my history of my diehard love for dairy, there is absolutely no doubt in my mind that North Dakota has the ability to add more dairy cows in this state. I mean, we have the opportunity of needing manure for soils, but we need these dairy cows here to consume all the soybean meal that's being crushed, you know, being produced at these new processing plants, the DDGs. You know, we, we grow corn like a boss up here in North Dakota. So we need to be feeding that to our animals right here in the state instead of shipping it out whether that be out of the state or out of the country. So let's feed it here and capture that value here in North Dakota. Reporting agriculture's business, I'm Sierra Doctor on the Red River Farm Network. American Farm Bureau Federation economist Bernd Nelson says the U.S. has the lowest cow herd since 1952, with uh, such high liquidation happening over the past few years. Nelson says input costs are playing a role in that liquidation. So there's still a lot of individuals that are concerned about high corn costs, for example, you know, our, our increased feed costs. So we may see liquidation continuing, especially in the southern plains where we've been stricken by drought. That brings me to my second point, is that we've been in a triple dip, you know, three consecutive years of drought situations. Now, one year of drought can do some work on pastures, where they have a little bit of an ability to recover from that. But none of these pastures in the West and Southern Plains have had time to recover. So they've had three years with no recovery. And Nelson says pasture conditions and cattle country spurring on those cattle sales. Reporting agriculture's business, you're listening to the Red River Farm Network. Good morning. Welcome to Inside Agriculture on the Red River Farm Network. The uh, Grain market has been volatile this week. Zaner Group Ag Hedge Lead Ted Seifert thinks much of the week's volatility stems from last week's USDA reports. This was all triggered, the strength was triggered from a report that was surprisingly bullish compared to expectations. And that bullishness really came from production numbers from last year coming in well below the trade expectations, which you know, without getting too far into that, you know, remember back in September when the USDA said they had enough data to give us production numbers a month earlier than they normally did, and yet come back in the January report and give it and give us the largest harvested acreage revision that we've ever seen, makes you really wonder if they should have done that in September. And Seifert says the market has been reeling from those reports. The fund had sold 47,000 contracts of corn going into that report. It seems to me we had a three-day short covering event. And now the real question is where do we go from here? Because really the ending stock numbers didn't change all that much. The lower supply numbers were offset by lower demand. So are we in a much different or much more bullish situation now than we were before that report came out? I don't know. China planted 10.3 million hectares of soybeans last year, according to a China Daily report. That's the largest planted area since 1958, and an increase of 1.8 million hectares year over year. A Chinese Ministry of Agriculture and Rural Affairs official says soybean output rose 3.9 million metric tons from 2021 to 20.3 million tons in 2022. 
China's total grain production last year was an all-time high, topping 686 million metric tons. Checking markets before we leave you this morning. We're seeing uh, wheat and corn trading two to three cents lower here this morning, uh, pretty much across the board. And then uh, soybeans right now trading uh, two to three cents higher on the uh, front couple of months, while the uh, deferred months, you get out toward August, September, and they uh, those contracts trading slightly lower. Checking the farm calendar, a lot of things going on here this weekend. The uh, First of all, today, uh, Bean Day in uh, Fargo at the Fargo Holiday Inn, hosted by the North Harvest Bean Growers Association. We'll also be uh, featuring live broadcasts from that with uh, Sierra Doctor uh, this afternoon. Also, the uh, Farm and Ranch Conference uh, will be held at South Dakota State University for the Young Farmers and Ranchers. Uh, that uh, gets underway today and uh, continues tomorrow on the campus of South Dakota State University. Also, the 37th Annual South Dakota Corn Conference uh, this weekend as well. That kicks off tomorrow at the Sioux Falls Convention Center with uh, free educational sessions, uh, followed up by uh, an evening banquet featuring... Uh, former Minnesota Viking linebacker and South Dakota native Chad Greenway. Cow-calf days uh, coming up uh, next week. That'll be in Staples on the 24th and Bagley, Minnesota on the 24th as well. Thanks for joining us this morning. Have a great day. This is the Red River Farm Network.